G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Jesus came to this earth to die for the sins of the world. But his disciples did not get that because it was lost in translation. In real time, it was a surprising message to comprehend. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie gives us perspective on God's plan and the Lord's sacrifice. One day he will rule as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, but before Christ would wear a crown, he would first have to bear a cross. This is the day when the lost are found. you've joined us today for a new beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie. He's in the middle of a series in the book of Mark, a book he's called The Gospel for Busy People. It's God's full plan of salvation explained and applied to our lives today. And today on A New Beginning, we hear Jesus explain the full plan of salvation to disciples who are hearing it unfold for the very first time. It's a fascinating discussion of where Jesus polls the disciples on perhaps the most significant question of the ages. about an older couple. They were celebrating 50 years of marriage together. Now the problem was the wife was getting a little hard of hearing. And the husband announced in front of family and friends to his wife, my dear wife, after 50 years I have found you tried and true. Again, she couldn't hear very well. She said, what? He said, my dear wife, after 50 years I have found you tried and true. And then she shot back, well, after 50 years, I'm tired of you too. (laughs) There's a little communication breakdown there. You know, there's a lot of American companies that have tried to offer their products overseas, but sometimes there's a language barrier that has to be overcome. It's called something getting lost in translation. As an example, the Parker Pen Company was expanding their ballpoint line to Mexico. And their slogan was, it won't leak in your pocket and embarrass you. But the problem was they didn't fully understand how it would come out in Spanish. And instead it was translated to say, on billboards, this pen will not leak in your pocket and impregnate you. (laughs) A little different than intended. In Italy, a campaign for Schweppes tonic water translated into Schweppes toilet water. (laughs) Needless to say, not a lot of people wanted to drink toilet water. Jolly Green Giant, you remember them? Ho, ho, ho. And their slogan, the Jolly Green Giant, they tried to market in the Arabic market and instead it came out to intimidating green ogre. Hey, have you tried some of those beans from the Intimidating Green Ogre? 
In Taiwan, the translation of the Pepsi slogan, come alive with the Pepsi generation, instead came out to say, Pepsi will bring your ancestors back from the dead. Now depending on what ancestors those were, maybe that's a promising thing, maybe not so. Clairol tried to market its mystic curling iron in Germany, and instead of it saying mystic, it said manure stick. Not a lot of German ladies were all that excited about using a manure stick. <laughs> in China, Kentucky Fried Chicken took their slogan, figure licking good, and instead it came out in Chinese as, eat your fingers off. <laughs> it gives a whole new meaning to chicken fingers, doesn't it? And finally, Scandinavian vacuum cleaner manufacturer Electrolux used the following in an American ad campaign. So they came over to America and used this phrase, nothing sucks like an Electrolux. <laughs> yeah, something is lost in translation. Well, guess what? Jesus seemed to have this issue with his own disciples. They did not understand why he had come to this earth in the first place. Jesus came to this earth to die for the sins of the world. But his disciples did not get that because it was lost in translation. Their hope and their belief was he was going to establish an earthly kingdom then and there. Their hope and belief was he was gonna drive the Romans out who were occupying the land. In fact, you remember after he fed the 5,000, that was his most popular miracle to date, the people wanted to make Jesus king so he would drive out Rome. They didn't understand that that is not why he had primarily come. Now look, one day Christ will come back and establish his kingdom. One day he will rule as king of kings and lord of lords. But before Christ would wear a crown, he would first have to bear a cross. Now, as we come to our text here in Mark chapter 8, his ministry in Galilee is coming to a close. This is a transitional moment in his ministry, and for the first time, he's going to speak very clearly about why he has come. Uh, and he also asks a powerful question that we still need to answer today. Let's look at our text, Mark chapter 8 starting in verse 27. Jesus and his disciples of Galilee and went up to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. As they were walking along, he asked them, who do people say that I am? Well, they replied, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, and some say you're one of the other prophets. Then Jesus asks them, but who do you say that I am? Peter replies, you are the Messiah. And Jesus warned them to not tell anyone about him. Now this is the most important question of all. Jesus asks this question, who do men say that I am? And this is a question we almost ultimately answer. I'm gonna tell you the answer now. Ultimately, everyone will say, Jesus Christ is the Lord. Every Christian will say it. Every non-Christian will say it. Every atheist will say it. Every agnostic will say it. Every person will ultimately say, Jesus is Lord. You'll say, no, Greg, you're wrong about that. Not everybody believes. Well, I didn't say they would necessarily say it during their lives on earth. 
But one day when they stand before God Almighty, they will acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord. Philippians 2.10 says, at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now here's a big thing we don't want to miss. Where did Jesus ask this question? This question, who do men say that I am? Where did he ask it? He asked it at a place called Caesarea Philippi. Now we could breeze by that and miss its significance altogether. Caesarea Philippi was named after the Greek god Pan. So basically in a place of paganism and false belief, Jesus Christ asks his disciples to make a stand. You know it's one thing to say, oh Jesus is Lord when we're with our Christian friends. Oh, Jesus is Lord when we're at church and singing praise to him. But will you say Jesus is Lord when you're gathered together with family from out of town? Will you say Jesus is Lord when you're at work? Will you say Jesus is Lord when you're out and about in life? See, it's one thing to make a stand with fellow believers. It's another thing to make a stand in our culture. Jesus said this, if a person is ashamed of me and my message, I, the Son of Man, will be ashamed of that person when I return in my glory and in the glory of my Father with the holy angels. Don't be ashamed of Christ. Speak up for Him. A great encouragement right there from Pastor Greg Laurie on A New Beginning Today. Glad you've joined us. If you've just tuned in, Pastor Greg is the Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California, USA, and he's presenting a message today called Lost in Translation. Now Jesus is addressing his disciples in Caesarea Philippi, as recorded in Mark chapter 8. So let's go back to the message. So Jesus asked them, who do men say that I am? Basically the Lord saying, hey guys, what's the word on the street? What are people actually saying about me right now? Here's the question. Did Jesus know what the word on the street was? Did he know what people thought about him and what they said about him? Absolutely. In fact, he would call people out for their thoughts while he was engaging them. Why do you think this in your heart, he would say to someone. So he was aware. But the reason he asked this question of his disciples is he's giving them a test. And why does a teacher Give a test. Answer, to see if the class is learning the material. They'd seen Jesus perform his miracles. They'd see Jesus walk on the water. They'd seen Jesus heal leprosy and drive out demons from people and even raise the dead. Did they really understand who he was yet? Apparently not. <laughs> because they replied, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say you're Elijah. Still others say you're one of the prophets. That was not the right answer. But Simon Peter, known for his outspokenness, got it. Peter says in verse 30, you are the Messiah. In Matthew's version of this story, he has Peter saying, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You're not Elijah. You're not John the Baptist. You're not even a mere prophet. You are the very Son of God. See, Jesus was not a mere man. He was not just one of the prophets. He was God coming to us in human flesh. God had a face. 
It was God with skin on walking among us as the Lord entered our world. The birth of Jesus Christ was the most momentous event that has ever occurred in the history of the planet. It was the eternal God confining himself to a single cell and being born of a woman in order to be the savior of the world. God literally became a fetus. And then in this earth-shaking event, Simon Peter got it. You, he says to Jesus. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And in Matthew's version of the story, Matthew 16, Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Can you imagine how Peter felt? Singled out by Jesus, hey Peter, guess what? You didn't just come up with that on your own. My Father gave that thought to you. That's where the inspiration for those words came. Man, Peter was just thinking, this is so awesome. I'm being singled out and complimented by Jesus. But now the Lord continues on and he drops what could best be described as a bombshell. Look at Mark chapter eight, verse 31. Then Jesus began to teach him that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and three days later rise again. Notice the detail in those words. He, he laid it out. Guys, here's who's gonna betray me. It's gonna be the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and I will be killed, and I will rise again in three days. He spoke plainly about this. Now look at this. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, and when Jesus turned and looked at the disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, get behind me, Satan, for you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Stop there. By the way, this is the first time Jesus ever talked specifically, clearly, and I might even add graphically, about the fact that he was going to die. I don't even think they heard the he'll be raised on the third day part. They just heard he was going to die. I don't think I'm overstating it when this was really shocking to them. He was effectively saying, I, Jesus, who you've given up everything to follow, I'm going to be murdered in cold blood. I'm going to be taken from you. And they're thinking, how could that be part of any plan? You're the Messiah. You're supposed to establish your kingdom here and now. How is this going to be part of something good for you to be taken and murdered? And in fact, we've given up everything to follow you, Jesus. And, and we've made these great sacrifices. And so Peter thought, since he's the guy who got an inspired thought from the Father, that he would sort of set Jesus straight. And we read in verse 22, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And by the way, in the original language, that implies it was done over and over again. I mean, I'm trying to imagine this. Peter says, Jesus, come here for a second. Buddy, listen, come on, man, what are you doing? I rebuke you, Jesus. You cannot do this. He's rebuking God Almighty. I mean, this is insane. And Jesus listens to him. And then Jesus turns and rebukes Peter. <laughs> now we say, boy, I, that, I can't believe Peter did that. Oh, excuse me. Have you ever given God advice before? You know, the Bible asks the question to Romans eleven thirty four: Who has known the mind of the Lord? And who has been his counselor? 
Well, I would say the answer to that question is, I have. <laughs> you have. And we'll say to the Lord, now, Lord, I've got this all figured out. I met this girl. This is the one I'm supposed to marry. So you need to reveal this to her. And, and Lord, here's my business plan. And, and you need to bless it. And here's the way I'm going to do my ministry. And here's what you do to, uh, need to do next. I'm not asking God for wisdom. I'm not praying about direction. I'm making my plan and asking God to bless it. And the question is, who's in charge here? And who is leading who? Jesus was in charge. Peter says, no, bad plan. I veto it. I reject it. Jesus says, I rebuke you, Peter. The devil gave you that thought to deter me from this course. Listen, it was always God's plan for Christ to die. I already mentioned that. We read in Revelation 13, 8, Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. What does that mean? That means before there was a planet called earth, before there was a garden called Eden, before there was a couple known as Adam and Eve who ate of the forbidden fruit, God knew man would blow it. The sin of Adam and Eve did not come as a surprise or shock to the Lord. He knew it would happen. It, it was just the Lord knowing the future. And so he said, I already have a plan. And it's not a backup plan. It is the main plan. My son is gonna come to this earth and be born in a manger, live a perfect life, and is gonna die on the cross for the sin of the world because of the sin that will be committed there in the Garden of Eden. And the result is sin spread through the human race. So Jesus is saying, look, I'm gonna die on the cross and there's no getting around this. Such important revelation in this discussion between Jesus and his disciples. Pastor Greg Laurie is presenting a message called Lost in Translation today here on A New Beginning. Now, what is the cross that we have to bear in following Christ? Pastor Greg says it might not be what you think it is. Some good clarification is coming next time as this study continues. I hope you can join us for more on A New Beginning. Now for a copy of today's full message, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called Lost in Translation. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-5011. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 